0: All right, so today I want to talk to you about out of the box, getting out of the box. Now, I know that's like, oh my gosh, really like, what are you going to talk about getting out of the box? Like, oh, I hear that all the time, getting out of the box. But if you are a Christian, if you follow Christ, if you believe that Jesus really came to save you, and if you really believe the stuff that's in the Bible... Then you are by nature an out-of-the-box person that is who you are by nature in fact in Luke chapter 7 if you've got your Bibles you can turn there if you got your phones or your iPads and devices or whatever you can go to Luke chapter Luke chapter 7 verse 11 through 17 and let's just kind of read this together if you don't have it it'll be up on the screen Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him and he approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. So you can probably imagine this is probably a pretty sad crowd that Jesus is encountering. And she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, "Don't cry." Right, right. like i like. How would you like to go to somebody's funeral or something? And be, go up to the family member and say, "Don't cry. Stop crying." Right. You would never say that. Jesus does, because he does things that are abnormal, right? Because he has a plan. And then he went up and touched the beer and they were carrying. They were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God. And a great prophet, a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countries. Well, yeah, no duh, right? You raise a boy from the dead and the news is <laughs> the news is going to spread. And they were going to... Jesus and his group were going to Nain, and the boy and his mother and the crowd were coming from Nain. And you have two different groups about ready to collide. Because Jesus' group, I imagine they're happy, they're excited, you know, they're joking and having a good time. The Bible tells us that Jesus was like that. And so he's coming with his crowd, and here comes another crowd full of weepers and criers, and they're upset, and they begin to collide, and the town name. now you, Nain, N-A-I-N, now you may not think much about that, and usually if you're going to, if you're reading the Bible, you'll probably just blow right by that, but in Hebrew, it's name, it's N-A, some crazy mark that I don't know, and then I am, right, and it's N-A, mark am it's name, and So if you study the history of words, you'll find out that most people believe that's where we get our English word name from. It means pleasant or it pleases. It's pleasing. And so this town was named the pleasing town. Who doesn't want to live in a pleasing town, right? But it tells me something about names. It tells me... A lot, actually, because when you first have your child and you're all excited, and you and what do you do? You start Googling baby names. How many of you Googled baby names? All right, scratch it. How many of you bought books with baby names? Let's go that route. That's for those of us that are older. Okay, right? Now they just Google baby names and they go to, you know, .org or .com or whatever, and they look up names and what you're essentially saying what what do we name our baby our our youngest child isaiah was not even named when he was born we had no idea what we were going to name him we kind of had shaved it down a little bit but we really didn't know and i'll say this because he's at home sick today so i'll i'll say this after he was born it's about five minutes after he was born and lynn's figuring out she just had a child and i had just watched the miracle happen and Sorry, honey. And I was like, honey, we got to name him. And she's like, we do. I was like, well, what about, I said, what about Isaiah, David, priest? Now, if there are any theologians or Bible scholars in here, you realize what I just said. Isaiah the prophet, David the king, and a priest. The Messiah had to be all three. And I said, it's kind of a little play on names, but he's a He's a prophet he's a king and well he's a priest right and so he's Isaiah David priest and it was kind of a running joke and we we give him a hard time even at the house about it about being a prophet a king and a priest and we named him but you say something to your spouse you say well what are we going to name in other words what's going to be the pleasant thing to call them now I realize that sometimes it's pleasant to throw in their middle name sometimes right Isaiah David, right? Don't worry, Jeremiah, I'm not going to throw your middle name out. And so, it's like Isaiah David, and and sometimes you're saying, what is it, what's going to be pleasant to call them? And then what do you do? You give them a name. But the name, whatever is pleasant, whatever you want to call them, has a meaning. And so, essentially what you're saying is, you're saying, and this is very deep. Now, let this sink in, because this is how in Jesus' day, they would consider names. They would look at the meaning of the name and they would say that's going to be this child's personality so what is going to be pleasant about this personality so i'll just use myself as an example i'll stop picking on my kids or my wife and i'll pick use myself so my name is tyson it goes back to french it's a french name and it means firebrand and if you've ever seen me coach on the sideline you totally get why my name is tyson firebrand so essentially my parents are saying well it would please us and it would please the community that we live in if we would call him the firebrand that he would live his life on fire and hot right and so when you name your child you're saying honey what would be pleasant to call them and what would be pleasant what's so funny huh okay this is what happens when your sister shows up to church so, anyway, but I'm glad she's here. The hot fire brand, right? Like, he's passionate, and, and, and he's passionate about things. And so, it would be pleasant for us to have a child who is passionate. That's what you're doing when you're naming your child. This is what's going on as Jesus is walking into name. Essentially, what you're doing is you're saying, you're saying that this person has this destiny and has this purpose and is going somewhere. This is where they're going. It's a very deep meaning to name your child other than, oh, I like that name. It sounds nice. That sounds pleasant, right? That's what name means. And here's what I'm here to tell you, that everybody in this room has a destiny and a purpose and a plan for your life. But we want to get shut down. We, we don't want to get shut down, but we get shut down. We get shut down by self-defeating thoughts, self-defeating attitudes. People, as we begin to grow up, well, you're no good at that, and I don't know if you should do that. And, and, and we get told all of this stuff about ourselves, and we begin to believe it. Because if, you, if I tell you a lie enough over and over, you'll begin to believe the lie. It's true. It's true. Ask any psychologist or sociologist. They'll tell you if society is told a lie long enough, it becomes the truth in society. We begin to believe it, and we begin to buy off on it. And in verse 12, it tells us something very interesting about this child. Not only is he dead, but he's the last living male relative of his mother. She's a widow, which means she's already lost her husband. And now she's lost her only son. And that's tough, emotionally and mentally. But in that culture, it's even tougher for a woman because women didn't have too many rights. She was associated, and her status in that culture was based on the status of the man she was attached to. So as long as her husband is alive, and he's in good standing and good status, and people like him, She's accepted. But if he dies, now her status is attached to her son. And if people like him and he's accepted and he, he's a hard worker and, and he tells the truth and he's known as an honest person, then her status gets elevated with him. But now her any chance for her to have a status in society is gone, is wiped out. It's not there. So what's going to happen? She's going to become an outcast. Women had the ability... To have a job in those days, she had the ability to earn an income, but her status would always be less than because it was always directly tied to the next male in the family. When one male would die, it would be the next male. So she could still get a job and she could still earn an income, but she'd be thought less of and less than. She'd become an outcast basically for the rest of her life, for the rest of her future. And she would become boxed in in her society. So Jesus walks into this. Jesus is probably with his crowd and things are going well and he walks into this. And he realizes, as everybody else does, he realizes what's at stake for her. He realizes what her future is going to be like. and He goes, stop crying. I'm going to take care of this. Now, he didn't tell her that. He just, he just told her to stop crying. But here's something else that would happen. When the last male of a family dies, typically what happens is that your neighbors, your community that you live in, the other men would come into the house and take all of the clothes. They were a very communal society. In other words, they didn't knock to walk into your house. They just walked in. It's kind of like my family with my sister here today we don't knock my family doesn't knock you just walk in right so just you know like always dress decent kind of thing but you just walk in this is how we operate in my family it was, it's very communal family and this is the way the culture was in jesus's day is that you would just walk in. So if you knew that the last male in that household had died, it was very typical because clothes were a nice commodity. If you could get nice clothes, you wanted them. This is why the Bible says that when Jesus died upon the cross, the two Roman soldiers were gambling and rolling dice for Jesus's clothing. They wanted it. This was a very common practice. And so, so since neither Roman soldier had the outrank the other one, they had to roll the dice and gamble to see who would get his clothes. Now, as if that wasn't enough, because they were a communal society, everybody went to the funeral. Everybody goes to your funeral. And what's common is that when you go into the house and take the other guy's clothes, well, you wear his clothes to his funeral. Oh, that is so tacky. All right, well, you live 2,000 years later. Things have changed. I don't know if you know that. But in that culture and in that day, you go in, take his clothes, and then you wear them to his funeral. Are you kidding me? Boy, I'm telling you right now, don't do that to me. All right? Don't. Just don't. And so they do that. And I just imagine that here's this train of people, and they're carrying him. What they would do is a procession. The dead boy would be on their soldiers in what's called the Bible calls a beer, but essentially it's a type of coffin, and they're carrying him. In this. And these men are trailing with with his clothes on. If they fit, they've got his clothes on. And Jesus walks up and he touches the beard. He doesn't touch the boy. He touches the coffin. He touches the thing that has boxed the boy in. And he says, rise, get up. You're not dead you're alive and i'm here to tell you that jesus wants to touch your coffin whatever is boxing you in jesus wants to touch whatever is boxing you in in your relationships whatever is boxing you in in your mindset and your thoughts whatever is boxing you in in your life whether it be finances or health jesus wants to touch it He wants to say, it's time to come out of the box. It's time to come out of the box of your self-defeating attitude, your self-defeating thoughts, the idea that this is all the money I'll ever earn, this is all the better the relationship is going to get. Jesus says, it's time to come out of the box. And so he touches the box and he says, rise, get out. And then the Bible says something very interesting. He says, the boy sat up and started talking. Now, I don't know exactly what the boy said. But I have an idea. And so I'm going to tell you my idea because I'm the one standing up here. You good with that? The Bible doesn't tell us. This is strictly my opinion. But I'm going to tell you what I would do if you brought me back from the dead and I sat up in the coffin and I look out and everybody's wearing my clothes. (laughs) Knowing that I probably have no clothes on, but I'm just wrapped up in like mummified like a cloth and then wrapped up. I'm going to sit up. I'm going to say, Give me that. That's mine, and that's mine, and that's mine, and that. What are you doing? Right? You wear my clothes at my funeral. I probably will sit up and say, give me me that back. Give it back to me, thief. You have no right coming into my house and stealing what belongs to me. And here's what's happened to a lot of you. The enemy has come in and stolen your dreams and stolen your hope and stolen your expectations, and he's boxed you in. And it's time to say enough is enough. I'm not going to be boxed in. I'm not going to be boxed into my thoughts. I'm not going to be boxed into my finances. I'm not going to be boxed into my marriage or my parenting. I'm tired of being boxed in. And I'm tired of you telling me where the limit is. Give it back to me. So some of us need to just say, give me my dream back. When Jesus touches your coffin, you can say, devil, give it back to me. Give it back. This mic is really irritating me this morning. It is time to say, give it back. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to say, you know what, I'm tired of the negative thinking in my life. I'm tired of the negative work environment. I'm tired of my crops not yielding like they should. I'm tired of not getting the promotion that I know that I should be getting. I'm tired of the kids in my classroom acting like knuckleheads and not acting like human beings. Are you, are you ready to say enough is enough? All right, then what you got to do is say, devil, give it back. So on the count of three, you're going to say, devil, give it back. And I need you to say it like you mean it. None of this, devil, give it back to me, please. All right, because Jesus didn't look at the boy and say, you know, if you really want to, kind of sit up and come out of the box, but you don't have to, whatever. Jesus didn't say that. He said, get out of the box. Come out. Rise out of the, come up out of the dead. Get over the self-defeating attitude and the self-defeating thought, and go do what you were designed to do. So on the count of three, you need to say it like you mean it. You need to say, devil, give it back. And then in just a second, I'm going to show you why you have the right to say that. One, two, three. All right, you can do it better than that. One more time. One, two, three. There you go. Say it like you mean it. Get out of your box. Rise up from the dead of whatever's been holding you back. Do you know the Bible calls the devil a thief? The Bible calls the devil a thief. Jesus even said he's a thief. Now, King Solomon said this in Proverbs 631. But when he... Or some translations say when the thief is found, he must repay seven times what he stole and he must give all the property of his house if necessary to meet his fine. The rule is that the thief has to give back seven times what he stole from you. And I'm here to say that if the devil has plagued your mind with negative thoughts and negative emotions and I don't care if he stole your car, if he stole your finances. It's time to say, you need to give it back, thief. Oh, and by the way, you're not just giving me that back. You're going to give it back to me seven times. So Annie up. Let's go. You got to get out of your box thinking. You got to stop thinking that I'm just here and someday in a sweep, by and by, I'll make it to heaven just over Jordan. I'll get to walk on streets of gold. Because that's not what I read when I read the Bible. I read that. That's in there. But I also read where Jesus said that those that follow him storm the gates of hell. And they're offensively minded, not defensively minded. I can play a great defense, but I don't ever put up points. You're not going to win the game. And some of us need to start putting up points. And we need to start attacking the areas of self-defeating attitudes that we have and the self-defeating thoughts. The devil is a lie, plain and simple. And you need to stop believing it. You were made for more. You were designed for more. You know that. But yet you've believed a lie for so long that you've become boxed in. And here's what I can tell you about a box. When you allow yourself to be boxed in long enough, it becomes comfortable. Uh, well, It's a little tight, but you know what? I just, it's okay. I know God's put a dream in my heart to start my own business, but I'll just keep working for the man because it's just comfortable. It's safe here. And I'll just stay right here ouch I know that hurt (coughs) right and if you stay in a box long enough it becomes a coffin and you never go out and live the dream and the designs and the plans that God has for your life the enemy wants to box you in until your faith is dead your hope is dead and your love is dead that's what he wants And when the box becomes comfortable and you begin to play it safe death has already started we were never designed to live comfortable everything in society and everything in culture says be be as comfortable as you can be but you guys have heard me say it plenty of times nothing good grows in comfort zones I don't grow and get better when I'm binging on Netflix and eating potato chips it's not good for the body right I was listening to, uh, I, I listened to a podcast by a Jewish rabbi, Jewish, uh, Jewish rabbi Daniel Lappin. And he, and he says, <clears throat> he said, now I'm not going to tell you because it left my head. Anyway, all right, oh, what he says is, is, he says, we were designed to face challenges, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in our bodies, physical activity, We were designed to conquer, we were designed to face challenges and grow and to set goals for ourselves and push on and push forward. He says that, he says in one of his podcasts, he says that entertainment is simply a band-aid to make you feel good for a couple hours, but it never resolves the problem. And too many of us enjoy the band-aid, but we allow our wounds to just keep bleeding out. And this morning, I'm going to tell you, rip the Band-Aid off, stitch up the wound and begin to heal. Get out of your box. Jesus came to get you out of your box and to get out of what's killing you. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to touch your coffin and remove the parameters from your life. The question is, are you willing to let him do that? Are you willing to think differently, to act differently, to move forward, and to be different? God wants to touch your coffin. Do you realize that in the Bible, and this might come as a shock to you for some of you, the Bible is broken down into two segments, right? So the Bible is essentially a library of 66 books that was written over the course of 4,000 years by tens of different people from all walks of life, from doctors, lawyers, shepherds, you name it. It was written over the course of 4,000 years. And it's amazing that all of these books over 4,000 years point in one direction and have one, seem to have one central theme and one central story through them all. It, it's, it's an amazing book when you really begin to study it and how it was brought together. And here's what I want to tell you, that through all of this, when you break the Bible down into those two sections, here's what you see. And this is one big generalization. In the Old Testament, you see God in a box. We call it the Ark of the Covenant. And you see God boxed in 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 the Jewish temple of what's known as the Holy of Holies. This is where God lives. God lives right here in this little square area and specifically in this little box called the Ark of the Covenant. But something happened. When Jesus dies, the Bible says that this curtain, this veil, that was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. It says that when the earthquake hit, that the temple veil, the curtain, which is three feet thick was ripped literally from top to bottom was literally just ripped apart and now god i don't know if you've noticed in the new testament god's out of the box he's not in the box anymore that means that god god is everywhere god is god is god is is, is, shocker god doesn't live in the four walls of the church (gasps) what god doesn't live in the four walls of the church anymore he lives in you, and me, and you, and you, and you, and he's free, and he's out of the box. And he wants to bring your life out of the box. But we say, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I don't, I don't know if I could start that business. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I could get healthy enough. And I don't know if I could put the carbs down, because I just really love the donuts. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I can. And God says, yes, you can. God says, yes, you can. Well, I I don't know. And we doubt the one who created the universe because we're boxed in. Because we're dead to outside ideas. And we live boxed in. God is no longer in a box. I got news for you. You ready? can 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 I just shock you? And some of you may get up and walk out when I say this. Okay. God's not in the Republican box. And God's not in the Democrat box. And God's not in the Independent box. God's not a Hoosier. God's not a Lapellian. He might have a golf cart. I don't know. We'll know when I get to heaven. But he's not a Lapellian, right? i want I- to say something else. God's not American. Here's a shocker for you. Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't white with blue eyes and blonde hair. He was a Jew living in Jewish culture in the Middle East. Christianity is not a Western religion. It's a Middle Eastern religion that we have just adopted and kind of Taken and shifted into our own culture, right? Can I tell you something else? God's not Catholic. God's not Church of God. God's not Baptist. God's not Pentecostal. God's not charismatic. God's not Lutheran. God's not Baptist. Okay, some of you have to, just, some of you are debating now if you're going to come back next week. God's not in a box. He's not. God Loves the Nigerian as much as he loves the Hispanic. God loves the little boy who's starving and needs water, a, a water well drilled in his African village. God loves that little boy as much as he loves the head of the Mexican drug cartel. He loves everybody the same. We're the ones that make the choices to run to him or run from him based on the way we think. And he loves everybody the same and he loves everybody uniquely as a parent I don't love my boys the same I don't love my boys equally I love them uniquely because I can tell you one boys not like the other boy and I have to love them differently but it's still love And God loves all of us the same and God is God I got news for you God is God of the White House just as much as he is God of the crack house and he's in both same places and I don't care who you put in the White House or who goes into the crack house, God is still God there and He will reach them if He wants to reach them and they will listen and work with Him. He's God, hands down. As Christians, here's what happens to us. I brought my friend Jack along. Now he lives in a box. And I'm gonna close this out with this illustration this morning, but Jack lives in a box, right? All right, when this came in the mail, my youngest son was like, what is that? And then I felt like a complete failure. My son doesn't know what jack-in-the-box is. And he started doing this. Can you hear that? He had no idea what was coming. And he's standing over the kitchen table, and jack popped, and he dropped it on the kitchen table. And Lynn says, don't you ding my table. Good job, Mom. Right? But here's what, <laughs> here's what I want to tell you. As Christians, we come to church, and my marriage is in trouble, so I'm just going to play a little bit of music. Oh, that's so good. Oh, the worship was good today. I really liked that one song, but man, God wasn't in that other song. But this song was really good, so I know God was there, because I like that song. And whenever they play that song, that's my favorite. I know God shows up. I won't get on my soapbox. But, right, or man, he said some really good things about work, but man, tomorrow, Monday's, come, Monday's coming, and I got to go to work. No, you don't got to go to work. You get to go to work. Oh, man, God just, oh, oh, it's Jesus. He actually showed up. I don't. Uh, Jesus, that's nice, but you, you work at church, but don't show up during the week because I got things I want to do, and, and, and I need to go to the bar and drink, so don't come out of the box until I show up. Jesus, get back in the box. I broke Jack in the box. Jesus, just stay in there. I'm going to go to the bar and get sauced. You just When I show up at church tomorrow, though, you can pop out because that's where you're supposed to be. Jesus. Oh, it's so nice. Isn't he just so lovely? The little stained glass window, Jesus holding the sheep. Oh, that makes me feel so comfortable. And then what happens is Jesus. Oh, Jesus always wants out of the box. You can't box him in. And here's what I wanna say, stop trying to box God into your idea and the way you think he should be and let God be God in your life and just say, God, I'm here to follow bring me out of my box. I'm tired of being like the boy, dead in the coffin. I wanna sit up and say, devil, you give me that back. I'm done with my negative thoughts and my negative ideas and I'm gonna take that job promotion because I know I can because you told me I could. Let's stand up this morning. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose, but we have to get rid of our in-the-box thinking, and we have to be willing to let God do stuff. And yes, let me tell you something, when God calls you out of the boat, walking on the water with Jesus is scary. It just is, because you know you shouldn't be there. But I would rather be walking on the water with Jesus than staying in the boat where I think it's safe. Right? So this morning as we close out, I'm going to ask Glenn and Jesse to come down here, and if I can get Aaron and Lori to come down here. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, maybe you just need prayer to say, you know what, I box myself in with my own thoughts, my own doubts, my own fears. If you want prayer for that, they want to pray with you. If you're here this morning, say, you know what, I need to rethink this whole Jesus church thing, and I want to follow Jesus at you this morning, they want to pray with you. If you want to accept Christ and follow him, and I don't mean like like on Facebook and then follow, I mean like legit, like here's my life, i want to do what you want me to do. You can either come down, they want to pray with you, or you can fill out one of these connect cards and just mark that you're going to accept Christ. And I want to follow up with you this week and talk with you about what that means. So we're going to close with a song and just come forward, we want to pray with you.